Hello listeners and welcome to the latest episode of Fairly Far Fetched. As always, you're joined by me today, Kia, and my good friend Gavin. Say hi, Gav. Hi. And we are also joined by a special guest today. As you can see from the episode title, today is all about evolution. So we thought we'd recruit ourselves a bit of a specialist. So I'd like to introduce our new best friend, Roman. Say hi, Roman. Hey, how's it going? Real good, thank you. Um, And we'll get on to a little bit of why Roman is uh, especially placed to help us with today's episode a bit later on. But for now, as is new tradition, I'd like to start off with the opening question. And this week I was inspired by a bit of Pokemon news via Kotaku. Pokemon weddings are a thing, guys. Uh, Officially licensed Pokemon weddings are now being offered in Japan by the Pokemon company. And that made me wonder for today's opening question, if you were to have any Pokemon officiate your wedding, who would it be and why? So Gavin, over to you. If it hears festive music, all its muscles fill with energy. It can't help (laughs) breaking out into a dance. I've picked... What's that? (laughs) I've picked... Ludicolo, Pokemon number uh, 272. Mainly because really nice. you can't help but look at this Pokemon and not laugh. <laughs> but he was, a, he was, if you've seen Detective Pikachu, he was the runaway star in that film. Oh, massively. He had about three seconds on screen and he stole my heart. Yeah. He was wonderful. And I feel like <laughs> I want that gent to officiate any wedding, not just my own, any wedding. You're right. Because if he right. breaks into dance at the hint of music i feel like that wedding is guaranteed to be a success it's gonna be a party give that guy a couple of maracas and you're set yeah exactly lovely love it roman who's going to officiate your wedding yeah right so uh, well i first of all i should probably sort of admit to your listeners that um I've very, very poor historical knowledge of, of Pokemon. I think the, the the sum total of my Pokemon qualifications is having played it on the Game Boy for about a week when I when I was ten or something like that, right? So we're, we're, we're talking. <laughs> That's about what we like to hear. Yeah. So, so so I've fallen back on something that I recognise, which I, I think this will be something of a classic. But um, uh, if if I'm going to get married, right, it's mm. not just going to be a traditional wedding. It's going to be a medieval wedding. And so the only the only thing that the only person there that I want, think could, could officiate that is um, is not just Charizard either. And I learned there was a, a further evolution of Charizard called Mega Charizard Y. Okay. <laughs> oh yes. So, oh yes. Oh, we can get into that. Later. So this guy is going to be at the altar, sort of breathing smoke out over the over the congregation. <laughs> um, but but the other thing, the the, the other advantage of that um, is. Um, yeah, we're we're in Britain, right? Or, or at least two of us are. And uh, mm-hmm. get, getting married in British summer is 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 a gamble, as we all know. It's a roll of the dice. Nice. And so, if it rains, Mega Charizard can uh, can light the fires and keep us warm. So, there you go. Oh, bonus. It's practical. It's theatrical. To add on I to that, it. Charizard has the ability solar power. Hmm. Is that or right? Sunny Day? Ooh. Sunny Day. He can use Sunny Day and bring out nice weather. Oh wow! I didn't even know. Bloody that. hell! Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's perfect. The answer is any Pokemon that has Sunny Day, basically, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, nice. I love it. Let me give you my one, and um, Gav, this will sound familiar to you. Um, my Pokemon of choice to officiate my wedding would be Pokemon number three hundred and twenty. That's right, Wailord. Oh gosh, <laughs> I gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> You mean 321 is Waylord. 320 is well. 321 Waylord. Oh, I can't um, believe I gave so, that to you. 
14 metres tall, 47 feet. This guy is an absolute... He is the largest Pokemon that exists. First of all, he is going to be able to project. Everyone at your wedding is going to be able to hear this guy's voice, right? Yeah. (laughs) Number one. Number two, you can have the entire wedding on his back, right? So... You can have you can have a lovely uh, wedding in the middle of the ocean. You can put like a little marquee on the back of him. You can have a barbecue going, and and he's going to be able to officiate the entire thing. Also, weather wise, I didn't think about the easy explanation, which is he could just move further out. <laughs> but if but also we could just jump like Pinocchio style, a bit like Jonah and the whale, just jump in his belly and like have a big late night rave. You won't be having to have curfew as well, which I think would be really really crucial. Okay. I reckon Waylord's skin is probably quite soundproof, isn't it? All the blubber. Exactly. And- yeah, you've got to think about curfew and like respecting your neighbours, and I think Waylord's, um is a good option for that. I feel having a wedding on the back of Waylord uh, would make Waylord feel very lonely. If he's officiating <laughs> it. He's officiating it, right? You guys are all just standing back, on, like congregating on his back, and he's just like talking to the ocean. If I mean, if he, if he can talk, he's not just saying Waylord. He could sort of project, well, project that... through the blowhole, no? Yeah, maybe. He can't see through also, it. Doesn't that just sound like a beautiful thing if he's like, he's telling the whole ocean about our love, you know? Yeah, I'll give you that. He, he wants the whole world to know about it. Yeah. Beautiful. Waylord, right. done. So last time out then, we talked about taxonomy and pokebiology, so the categorization of Pokemon and uh, we picked out some Pokemon of note that are particularly weird, biologically speaking. So, Gav, what were the kind of salient points for you last time out? Um, that Chinese tax- taxonomy is really weird. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Pokemon could be classed as Emperor. Yep. Um, also, what we do is we title episodes Taxonomy and Pokebiology and then don't really talk about it. Yeah, crucial. Um, <laughs> crucial to any podcast. So most of last week we spoke about clothes um, and whether or not <laughs> Pokemon can uh, can buy or fashion clothes. Um, but we did get into a particular topic, which we named the Alolan Meowth problem. I think we, I think we had a pretty good discussion about it. Yeah. However, however... What? Uh, We had uh, an email in from an old friend. Uh, His name is Jack. Oh, great. He emailed in with some very interesting, yeah, very interesting points about um, classification. Go on. I'll try and paraphrase, but I might need to read all of it. Um, In the age of discovery, roughly from the 15th to the 18th century, when an intrepid adventurer arrived on the shores of some distant land, they would naturally start naming things. If there was a plant that was tall, thick and strong with lots of foliage at the top, they probably called it a tree. (laughs) Never mind if people lived there called it a reiku or an iggy or a tankai. If you arrived in Australia, it's an Australian birch or whatever. Classic example, koala bear. Not actually a bear, not even close. It's a combination of the Aboriginal word gula and then the settlers kind of thought it looked like a bear. So (laughs) koala bear, uh, which was then possibly misspelt somewhere to give us koala. Mm. So in Sun and Moon, when you when the settler from Kanto moved to Alola, naturally you look at something vaguely familiar and say, hey, look, a Meowth. Thus, Alolan Meowth. And I sure. kind of get it. No, I understand. I, I, I don't love it. I think it's, it's, it's a good explanation, but uh, 
I think yeah, it gives I mean, us some leeway, right? So I yeah. think in some examples, we can just kind of like suspend our disbelief a little bit and go, maybe that specific Pokemon was discovered by someone from the Kanto region and others weren't. And if it wasn't, then it would have been named something completely different. But if it was, then you get something like the Alola Meowth. Let's just assume that in Alola, in our world, would be Hawaii. It's got some wonderful Hawaiian name. Yeah, that's nice. You know? And if anyone has any recommendations for a renaming of Alolan Meowth, email us in, questions at fairlyfarfetched.com, at fairlyfarfetched on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, look forward to hearing your nonsense. So um, I, th- I think it's worth saying, like, we'll, we will come back to a biology episode at a certain point because there's things like ghost Pokemon, um, there's loads of other bits of, um, I mean, things like Magnemite and Voltorb that I think we can get back into, so... Keep sending your questions in. We're getting loads and it's um, really encouraging to see. Um, and it's giving us lots of stimulus of stuff to think about for next time out. So keep them coming. Also, sorry, um, we did the last question a bit of a disservice um, where we didn't answer a, a part of it, which was what would the responsibility of the human race be for producing waste, basically, for yeah. rubbish? Yeah. Um, and I feel like, no, we're not going to get into that now. But future episode. Future episode. We really do need to discuss that. Society, man. It's huge, huge, huge thing to get into. All right, so that was last time out. Um, so today, evolution, Pokemon evolution. It is an absolute staple of the Pokemon franchise, right? In the manga, um, on the anime, in the video games. Like, evolution is one of the huge, exciting, um, and kind of memorable and important things about Pokemon. Uh, about pokemon and today as i've said we've got a special guest we've got roman uh roman pop out on the line and um roman why don't you try and tell our listeners why you think we've recruited you for today's episode yeah good good question Kier. um well i i guess so uh, so for people listening um i am or was really a, a biologist okay so um, that, that, that's probably, and maybe the sort of the relevance and the qualification stops there. I, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, I, so, so what I, what I studied when I was doing biology is, um, uh, I was doing research on bacteria and specifically we, we were studying how bacterial behaviors evolve. Right. Mm. Um, so we, so when, when, when people have studied, um, animal behavior and, and the evolution of behavior, you know, typically it's sort of big charismatic animals like like a deer or a really colorful bird. And, you know, we ask questions about why their feathers are colorful and what mm. sort of dances they do and, and why. Um, and well, we, we were asking similar sort of questions, but um, using microbial study systems. So things that you can really manipulate um, uh, really well in, in a laboratory and watch the evolution as it happens. Mm. Um, so, so that gives us sort of a bit of a background as to the kinds of things I've thought about in, in the past um, and, uh, and, and what I was doing research in. Nice. Yeah, exactly right. So basically, me and Gav, if you haven't been able to understand by now, listeners, we're not experts in science-y things. We know some stuff we're about Pokemon. Well we don't read good. Um, so we <laughs> thought we'd get a bit of help for today's episode because we felt woefully out of our depth. So today, things you can expect are we're going to go through all the different types of uh, conditions for evolution um, and kind of decide whether we think... Um, that could happen. And Roman, I really hope you're going to help us out with some precedents from nature and your um, studies in the past that can help us to maybe explain some of this stuff. And it's like, I think when we chatted last week, I talked about it a bit like conversational chess. 
Um, the Pokemon universe is going to throw out loads of um, difficult uh, hurdles for us to try and kind of stumble over. And that's what we're going to try and do. We're going to try and kind of outwit it using uh, physics and nature and biology and see where we get to. And then we'll also talk about some Pokemon of note. And then at the end, we have another question from listeners. Does that sound good for today, guys? That sounds wonderful. Sounds great, guys. I'll do my best. Wicked. Cheers, Roman. So, um, Gav, can you just, for those that aren't like Pokemon nerds like you and me, just explain what evolution looks like and what it means in the Pokemon universe? I think everyone's first uh, sort of experience of evolution in the Pokemon universe is probably their starter Pokemon. You, you pick a Pokemon, Professor Oak, Professor Birch, Professor Tree gives you a Pokemon <laughs> and... Uh, you probably use that Pokemon a lot, and he or she eventually uh, gets to a point where they go, you know what, I'm not a tiny little guy anymore, I'm going to mm. get to my teenage age, teenage stage. And at, say, level 16, a Bulbasaur will evolve into an Ivysaur, and mm. at level 32, a Ivysaur will evolve into a um, Venusaur. Now, those are Pokemon nev- number one, two, and three, for good reason, it's a perfect example. Um <laughs> Um, and that's probably the first encounter of evolution uh, someone's going to get in the the Pokemon universe is by levelling up, by gaining experience. Can you just explain exactly what evolution physically... Like, what happens when a Pokemon evolves in the games and stuff? In most cases, I say most cases, I can't say this with any certainty, in most cases, they get a bit bigger, they get a bit edgier, they get Mm. a bit overly designed. That sort of thing. And there's they like might a white flash extra... of light, right? They, this kind of weird kind of spiritual or digital thing happens and all of a sudden in a flash of an eye, there are different Pokemon. Yeah, you get a bit of... And then the Pokemon like, you know, was one thing and then a flash of bright light and some like mutating later... It's something else entirely. So super, super rapid evolution. In evolution in our terms, we're talking about, you know, millions and billions of years. This happens in the blink of an eye almost, right? Yeah. And most of the time that means that they get new abilities. They can like, they're they're stronger. They get better like stats and stuff. But they also physically look very different in some cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we have to apply this to our, our logic, I mean, I don't buy that. You know, nothing's Agreed. happening overnight. Yeah. Can I just clarify though, guys? Does does the Gavin does the um, d- does the Pokemon actually disappear out of sight during during the process of evolution? I think uh, in the games, the anime, the manga, what have you, um, what happens is there tends to be some sort of like blinding light. Mm. So it's like, oh, I can't look at this. This is this is wonderful. Some magical events. Oh gosh, I've got a new Pokemon. Yeah, that sort of thing happens. It's like yeah. it doesn't disappear. There's just a lot of white light and probably some noises. Yeah, it doesn't run yeah. behind a bush and have a quick costume change either. No, <laughs> it's still there. It's a bit more real than that. <laughs> I mean, if we go back to clothes, um, maybe it <laughs> oh, does. <wait>. Please. <laughs> <laughs> right moving on quickly seeing as we're gonna get stuck in the uh, cloves quagsire once again um yeah. so so that's kind of what it looks like and there's loads of different ways that pokemon can evolve right there's like leveling up which happens through uh basically battling a load um yeah there's like through like reactions with stones which we'll get into a bit with um pokemon 133 eevee and loads of others right 
yeah, you've you've got um, holding on to a stone, which is probably the actually like second like. But back back when you know twenty mm. twenty three years ago when we we played it for the first time that was probably the second form of evolution we came across yeah, um, and much. then we moved on to um, very interesting one which is going to be very difficult to to pick apart is uh, trading so giving a Pokemon yeah. to another person I know I'm really looking forward to hearing Roman's um, wishy washy argument about how trading can make something rapidly evolve. <laughs> <laughs> New in- new environments is the only way I can explain it in my head. Oh, suddenly in a new environment, my Machoke has just gained another set of arms. I am so excited to hear if there's any precedent for that. So there's there's a really, I think, really boring and laborious kind of conversation that tends to go on when you start Googling this stuff around the definition of the word evolution versus the word metamorphosis. And I think we kind of, we, we know what that difference is is and we know really what it looks like in the Pokemon universe. But Roman, can you just give us a bit of a a, a layman's uh, run-through of the difference between evolution and metamorphosis, metamorphosis as you know it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's let's deal with that one. So, um, so yeah, actually, the the difference there is is quite simple and quite easy to point out, right? And so, a, a biological process that you might call metamorphosis is one that occurs to a single individual organism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and typically, that organism will have all of the genes that it needs um, to, have, to take on its, you know, let's say, juvenile and adult form. It will have all of that material right from the beginning, okay? And so it, we're really talking about the life of a single individual there. In contrast to that, um, an evolutionary process is one that occurs... Um, over several generations, and it occurs not to an individual organism, but to a population of mm, organisms. Okay, right? and and really, what it is is um, we're you know we're talking about the change in the sort of gene pool of a population over the course of generations in in that population. So so it's really it's really quite a straightforward um, uh, the difference to, to point out. And you know clearly with with many many of the uh, of the Pokemon evolutions, we're probably much more likely to be talking about metamorphosis as the the analogous biological process. Um, but I will I will just point out though there's a, there's a couple of potential little exceptions to that, right? Go on. So when when i was uh, when i was swatting up on on uh, on pokemon uh, last night and it is fantastic by the way i really enjoyed this um, <laughs> there, there were i mean there were some real wtf moments but there were some really kind of interesting moments as well so um the, the two that i'm thinking of right are first of all diglett and doug trio oh yeah nice okay um and the, and the other one was coughing and wheezing nice okay yeah so Diglett is Pokemon number 50 and Coughing is Pokemon number 109. That's right, yeah. Um, and, um, and so there, right, you've, you've got... Uh, so, so just looking at the images and kind of interpreting what might be going on there, in both of those cases, and I think some other cases as well, the sort of juvenile form is a single individual and mm. then the adult or evolved form is a sort of a colony or multiple individuals. Yeah. Um, and and so and and also they kind of look like microorganisms, particularly coughing and, mm-hmm. and wheezing. Um, now, in those cases, you you could feasibly be talking about a population level process that's happening over really over really rapid timescale. Because re- remember, microbes are evolving over the course of um, you know days and weeks rather than years and and uh, and, and so on. Um, so. 
there's possibly room around the edges there for some real evolution happening. But, um, but yeah, obviously most of the time it's, it's something more akin to metamorphosis, I would say. Interesting. Okay. So, cause it feels like there's like three different things, right? There's like, what we know is like Darwinian evolution. There's metamorphosis and I guess like aging as well is like a bit of a confusing, um, part of all of this. So I think if we take like semantics and if we take language out of it, what we're talking about is probably closer to metamorphosis of those three things. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would. I would basically say that um, in terms of what we've got here, the Pokemon universe, it's just a massively uh, misused word. Like, it's yeah. not. It's not evolution. It's it's metamorphosis. It's it's aging. It's in some cases rapid evolution. It's it's not a case of what we know as evolution. Yeah, agree. And in terms of like the way it looks, right? So that whole flash of light thing is probably, I guess it's like a really convenient way of showing it's it. It's out. For, for There's the no sake. way. Yeah I, yeah, I totally agree. It's convenient There's for the sake no of fantasy. Way. So if you take Pokemon's number one and two, uh, Bulbasaur and Ivysaur, for me, and as always, we're using them as the archetype, right? It's not yeah. like all of a sudden a Bulbasaur has a flash of light and becomes an Ivysaur. But if you look at it, it gets a bit taller. Its, it's legs kind of grow. It gets a bit more like teeth in as well. And of course, the, the, the biggest piece is the fact that its bulb on its back opens up and actually starts to flower, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not something that... The reason why this is the archetype for me is because that's not something that isn't feasible. Like, that's... Big time. Uh, it's getting slightly larger. Um, the color is slightly changing yeah. and the bulb has opened up. Like that's something that's going to happen over a case of like, if we're talking about fa- flowers, like seasons, you know, it's mm, not going to take, yeah, true. it's, it's not something that's going to happen with a flash of light. I, the way I imagine it, the way I foresee it is that I've got a Bulbasaur and in three or four weeks in this Pokemon's case, regardless of probably experience, it's slowly changing into an Ivysaur. That's just, I would say, with a Bulbasaur, Ivysaur, Venusaur line, that's a typical case of ageing. See, I don't know. I, I disagree. I, I agree that it would be a slow process, right? But I do think ageing is separate from this thing that we call evolution. And actually, a Bulbasaur can get old and die, right? Die of old age as a Bulbasaur because it didn't meet the requisites that um, created the conditions for which it to evolve into an Ivysaur. Okay, yeah. That, that's, no, that's yeah, my no, I, I see what you mean, yeah. So maybe I didn't take my Bulbasaur outside enough in a sunny day. And, it, you know, totally. and it didn't, the flower didn't go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, this is great, yeah. Um, yeah. And it eventually became a Venusaur. I do think time's a factor, but mm. maybe maybe you're right. It's probably not the whole thing. Maybe I've got to take my Bulbasaur for a few walks around the park. Yeah, it's a bit like working out a muscle, right? So if we go to Pokemon 8 Wartortle going into Pokemon 9 Blastoise, right? Just to keep it really basic and Kanto feverish. Um, yeah, sorry. Like, the, the colours between Squirtle, Wartortle and Blastoise kind of uh, uh, evolve as well. But the key difference is that Blastoise has two mega fucking cannons coming out of its back, right? So for me... That there are all always from the moment you're born into this world as a squirtle, as soon as the egg hatches, you've got some kind of like biologically speaking, some bones or something underneath the shell that are always there, right? It's a bit like our our tailbone or whatever. It doesn't actually become a tail in human beings. But if you work out your squirtle enough, 
Then it becomes a war turtle. And in the back of the war turtle, those cannons are starting to grow. And if it starts to really like fight more and have more experiences, eventually those things will start to like come out of its back. But there's a version of it where actually it just lays dormant because you just use your war turtle as just like a bit of a mate at home doing the dishes or whatever. Exactly. Like a housemate. Like, yeah, yeah I love it. That's great. You get me? Yeah. So that, that's that's one version of it. So, all right. So let, let's... And, and also, I would say that there could probably... I think the metamorphosis <laughs> happens over, like, slower time as well, right? That's a really important yeah. bit for me. So I reckon you're battling, like, a war turtle. It's getting into it. And actually, all of a sudden, you see, like, one of its... One of its kind of cannons starting to creep out of its back. It's a bit like when you have a puppy and its ears are down. And then one of the ear starts to pop up as it's, like, getting older or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you have some freakish-looking midway Pokemon. Right. Yeah, no, I love it. I think that's the best way to describe by level, probably. Mm. Roman, how do you feel about that? I'm I'm just wondering whether there's room here. And the reason I asked you, Gavin, uh, about whether the um, the Pokemon disappears from sight. Um, so so if if we were in the US, and I don't want to alienate your US listeners, but if we were in the US and, and lots of us believed in, in UFOs and alien abductions, you know, in this flash of light, is it possible that just the Pokemon is sort of being abducted and for, for, for that and for that individual, you know, lots and lots of time has passed. For us, it seems like a second, oh. but has actually been, you know, 10 years or something. Oh, like that my in, gosh. In Crikey. Okay. Where's that so come you're from? Like, you're right. So... <laughs> You're t- that's that's outlandish. That that's certainly an idea. I don't know how to react to that. I'm trying to stoke up the. You know, if there are any conspiracy theorists listening, um, please write in and and tell Kia and Gavin whether what I'm saying makes any sense. Right? What happens? What happens during an alien abduction? What if you were looking at one? What would you see? And right. Okay. Now I, I get it. But then obviously then we have to come come uh, back to the fact of are Pokemon aliens, and I don't want to touch on that again. I want to move straight on to Pokemon are the animals in our universe, so we need to explain it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. I, I think I think they are animals. I think they are animals. But just like any animal or human, they could be abducted by, by an alien if, true. If, we, if we think that aliens exist. So, yeah. There's no reason to say that that's not true. What about, going back to one of my original points in episode one, there's a bit of human intervention going on here. Like, what are we doing to, like, catalyze evolution? Which, I mean, Roman, you're, you're a scientist. Like, I'm sure there are um, examples of us, like, speeding up aging processes and things like that, surely. Yeah, so, well, so this, that's a really interesting point, um, Ashikia. So there's one, there's one other thing that could, that could blow this whole thing wide open again, right? And, and that is that, and this is a real thing, by the way, not, mm. not alien abductions, but, um, um, but the things that people are doing now, uh, in terms of genetic manipulation is, is really quite stunning. And I think we are on the brink of, you know, being able to kind of, reorganize and re-engineer existing organisms in quite dramatic ways so um you know just just walk up to a war turtle pop a syringe in its neck and um a couple of minutes later you've, you've got a blastoise or something <laughs> like that um you know is 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 not completely beyond beyond the scope of what people are starting to do with um with genetic manipulation so um yeah there's there's room there you know maybe um Whoever first invented Pokemon was just looking quite far ahead into the future and thinking, this is going to happen. This kind of uh, genetic manipulation nice. is going to be possible. Who knows? Yep. Yeah, I get All it. Right. 
So, so, okay, so what we just talked about there. So first of all, we're saying it's more akin to metamorphosis over evolution, but we're going to use the word evolution for the sake of simplicity for today. I think that evolution has just in our universe just taken on a different meaning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get out of the semantics like from now on, right? We're going to call it evolution, but we know what we mean by it. Um, second of all, I think that a, a point there is that we've said that Pokemon don't just disappear in a flash of light. They also probably don't get abducted by aliens. Um, but Probably not. It's, it, the evolution <laughs> will happen a bit more slowly and you'll get like s- kind of micro changes in a Pokemon over time. And actually, you know, a Wartortle could die a Wartortle just with one kind of cannon sticking out of its back if that's just the stage of evolution it gets to based on the experiences that it's allowed to encounter through its trainer or in the wild. Um, that sound good? Yeah. Cool. All right. Perfect. So I want to get onto a bit of a, a process here of what I call a bin bank and build and those um that work with me will um know know this uh, uh, structure fondly basically what i'm going to do is chuck out one of the conditions for evolution in the pokemon universe as we know it and then roman this is where you're going to be our like best friend here you're going to try and we're all going to try and kind of think about whether we would we would bin that type of evolution actually it doesn't exist in this universe that we're talking about whether we would bank it, actually, you know what, there's precedent for it, it can happen, let's just go for it, or any build, so any kind of types of evolution that we think, it's not quite there, but it could be, so let's put our own little spin on it, a bit like the kind of genetic modification point that you just talked about there. How does that sound, guys? That sounds great. I like it. I would uh, make one suggestion. Please. Let's do it after the break. Yep, let's have a break, and we'll be back with you shortly. Okay, welcome back, listeners. Thanks for sticking with us. So we're going to get into the bin, bank, and build exercise now. Let's start off with the basic one. So I think something like 90% of Pokemon evolve out of the 812. And the majority of those evolve by a phenomenon that we call leveling up. Any gamers out there will know exactly what we mean by this. The idea is that as Pokemon have more experiences, which normally means battling, they get more experience points. Um, experience points you get a certain amount and then you progress through certain levels when you get to a certain level the pokemon mystically evolves now that's a very convenient way of quantifying and measuring leveling up in a video game sense but we're not talking about video games here we're talking about real life so leveling up that is one version of um evolution that i'd like to think about whether we bin bank or build it roman i'm gonna throw it straight over to you mate what are you saying about leveling up? What precedents are there in nature and biology that we can draw on to decide whether we've been bank or build leveling up? Yeah, great one. Re- really good one. Um, so the thing that this really reminded me of, Kia, so everyone knows clownfish, right? We all know and love clownfish. Nemo. Exactly, from Finding Nemo. Yeah. Um, so uh, so let's take a look at what clownfish do in, in real life, right? We, we know that they live on anemones. Um, and we know that they live in these kind of fairly small families, right? Mm. Um, now, in in a in a clownfish colony or family, there's one female. Okay. Okay. There's there's one female, and that's the largest individual in the group. Um, and then below that, in terms of dominance, there's one dominant male, 
mm-hmm. that typically will will mate with that female, and then there's a series of uh, of more kind of submissive males or, or what have you mm. underneath that male. Okay, now what happened? And then, and so there's a there's a real discrete kind of succession in in this in this colony, right? So when the female dies or goes away, mm. um, the the dominant male becomes that the the female. Okay. Become, so wait, becomes the female. Yeah, for real. So they're sort of sequentially hermaphroditic, right? So the one dominant male will turn itself, will transform into a female, become the female in the group, what? and then the males. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not joking here. This is, this is real. This is real stuff. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah, and then the males, the the more the sort of lower rank males will then compete to become the dominant male next in line to to succeed the the female. So, um, so this is this is a case of and and there's lots of you know we can go you know, we won't but we could go all around the, the the animal world and look at sort of the idea of one or or a few dominant individuals mm. and and competing to level up in, into that status. Um, so yeah, you know, you've got it's it's a leveling up. It's a complete transformation of the body in in this case, obviously, um, from male to female, um, and um, yeah. So that 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 to me, you know, leveling up. I think that's a that's a really really nice example of leveling up in in the biological world. Bank, bang. bang. <laughs> it's a bang. So when you say competing, when the males compete, what does that look like? Are they like duking out? Are they slapping each other with their little fins? What's happening? Is it a, is it a battle of wits? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it probably is if if we could understand their language. Maybe mm. maybe we need to do that. Um, no, clownfish, it's you know, clownfish, clownfish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, that's how they speak. Um, right? yeah. <laughs> they've got one. They've got one word in their vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so Kia, you know, they'll they'll engage in little physical um, tussles. You know, they'll they'll grapple. They'll they'll you know, lots of fish do this where they. Um, uh, they'll bite each other's lips and then they'll sort of wrestle a little bit and they'll sort of nibble at each other's um That's adorable. Like that. Yeah, it's cute. It's really cute. <laughs> um, oh, that's so good. Yeah. I love that. Well, so I'm going straight away level bank. Don't know about anyone else. Gav, thoughts? Yeah, no, absolutely. 100% bank. It, it's, it exists. Like, it's the there's thing. no question. Animals evolve <laughs> through experience points. Through battling. In in the real world, it's fine through battling. Nibble yeah, battles. All right, nibble battles. Can I throw one at you? Friendship, friendship. Pokemon friendship. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Gavin? So yeah, so Pokemon number one seven five. My little Togepi friend. Oh, he cute. evolves into Togetic, a wonderful little kind of bird sort of thing. Yeah. At the uh, ripe old age of. Being best friends with my trainer. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't have to be a certain level or anything. It just needs to be like really no. good pals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have a level one Togepi yeah. that you've just walked forever yeah, and yeah. given a massage and have like a couple of sleepovers. done nothing with. Yeah, gone and you put it in with. front of your, your local Rattata and it levels up to level two and it goes, oh, I'm a Togetic because <laughs> we're good friends now. Because of that close friendship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... They were my... They, actually, like, friendship, this is good. Pokemon of note here, Togepi. He was, like, going to come up later, but mm-hmm. let's just do it now. The reason why he was Pokemon of note for me is because he is an egg. Like, mm-hmm. Togepi is an egg, and he's got a pattern on his belly, on his egg, mm. right? That pattern becomes part of Togetic. Like, that was an egg, 
It was an eggshell. Yeah. Right? And he evolved and Togetic took the pattern on the egg and put it on its belly. That's why I picked him. I thought it was funny, but friendship. Friendship. Pokemon That's, friendship. What have you got for us, Roman? That's lovely, yeah. Yeah, sure, yeah. So so uh, it's it's beautiful, isn't it, Pokemon? I'm I'm getting more and more into this. It's <laughs> quite emotional. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so lovely. Um so friendship uh, so as as we go through these guys, you'll you'll notice that I'm gonna start to take more and more poetic license with these concepts, yes, right? Do but, it. That's fine. Um, but le- yeah, yeah. So let's talk about um this idea of, sort of close proximity and friendship. So so stay with me in this subaquatic world and we're going way deep now to <laughs> to, to where anglerfish live. do we know what anglerfish are? Have you have you seen this fish? Uh, Very recently, so, yes. yes. So yeah. one of our friends threw a tweet at us the other day about um for the first time uh in history um they have recorded a male anglerfish in the process of mating with a female anglerfish and they've joined and they've fused so that's never been captured before but they fused together and they've made our real world version of a wheezing (laughs) yes (laughs) that's how it happens that's it. You got a tiny little male coughing and a big female coughing, and they just kind of like that their, their holes combine, and then there's a wheezing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for, so well, let's recap for listeners, right, really quick. Yeah. So, an angler, an anglerfish is is a, is a really deep sea fish that they're called anglerfish because they they suspend a little light um above above their heads, and this is a lure or an attraction to other fish that they that they then feed on, right. And and that's the female, right? That there's a big female. It's got a big, massive jaw and holds this little light out in front of it. Uh-huh. Now the male is is much smaller and much more boring looking. Um, and because because the, they live in the deep sea where there aren't that many of them around, when the male finds a female, it will bite its flank and and literally fuse into the female and become from that moment on it becomes a sort of a, basically a passive sort of sperm donor right and and the reason i bring this one one up in in this case in in this case of friendship is that yeah obviously there's there's a friendship there's a mating but we would consider you know biologists would then consider that as the organismal unit right so from that moment on that that combination is the organism if you like Got you. um there's no you know there's no conflict between the, the, the interests are completely aligned that is then an, an organismal unit. So, yeah, that, that sort of close proximity, friendship and transformation all, all bundled in. I love it. Bin it. Reason why. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. It's the, um, I love, right. So I love it for something else in terms of evolving in the Pokemon universe. What I don't love is that friendship involving a trainer, I'm not expecting to get bitten by my coughing and become the wheezing with my coughing. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying bin it, um, but we can use it for explaining other things like a coughing, like a diglet, like uh, magnemite. Yeah, for sure. Which is like combination of multiple organisms to make one brand new organism. Exactly. Yeah. How do you feel, Kia? I feel really good about that. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, multiple diglets get together to make a Doug trio. Um, yeah. Pokemon number 50 and 51. Yeah, 50-51. Roman, just to stress, 
in our world, apart from like domesticating dogs, there's not really an uh, example of becoming friends with an animal and it evolves. Well, I, okay, so uh, I mean, there's domesticating all kinds of things, right? Domestication is is a good um, is a good case in point there, right? We we as humans, we have changed the biological face of the earth through through domestication, right? So I'm yeah. thinking all of the farm animals, but also crops that are, you know, completely different now to their original sort of wild type form. Mm. Um, so, yeah, d- I mean, th- this is really, I suppose this is really domestication, isn't it? What we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think so. That's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of crops, I've heard like real old bread is really good. thanks guys like original original wheat is where it's at in the bread world right so no i thought you just meant stale bread (laughs) (laughs) like a bit of a weird tangent so then are we saying that actually so there are examples of domestication changing how uh, animals and crops look taste what whatever show up so actually friendship if we are going to use it, it's, it's a build, right? So the build on friendship yeah. is it's about domestication and how that changes. How So you might have, for example, I don't know, what would be a good example of something that looks more wild and then looks more domesticated as it evolves? Um, oh, I don't know. But there must be so an example. So a rose... Go on. So you know they say that roses, right, used to have four or six petals... Right. And now they have, what is it, 12 or 24? So um, the process of domesticating that flower has completely changed its visual form. Nice. That's a really, really mm. good example. In the Pokemon universe... Um, Got anything? Oh, I, something... I can only go wilder. That's the problem because they do get Pokemon wilder, in general... They? They do, yeah. So you've got like your um your bog standard Tepig, you know, Pokemon number four hundred and ninety eight. Mm. He's a little he's a little piglet mm. and then he evolves into Pig Knight. He's starting to get a bit teenager and edgy. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into Embor, who literally looks like some Japanese samurai sumo guy and it's like i've been so over engineered design wise that i've gone from a simple domestic farm animal pig to the biggest unit of all time i have two things on tepig pokemon number 498 through to pig knight to embor first of all gavin can you just tell the listeners what your preferred name for embor is because let's let's make this clear right there fire pig pokemon Tepig, Pig Knight, I know you've got a better name in there. I always try to outpun Nintendo when I'm naming, <laughs> when I'm nicknaming my Pokemon. I'm not going to spend too long on this. It's going to be one word. Embor should be called Hog Roast. Moving on. <laughs> it's so good. It's too Love easy it. a pun for them to have missed. But we've got it. Back to evolution. So the second thing I was going to say, though, is that if you look at Tepig, it's on four legs, right? It's like it, it looks like an animal. But as it evolves and actually... I think you see this a lot, even like Blaziken, loads of other Pokemon become a bit more humanoid. They become much more humanoid as they evolve. And in episode two, we talked about how um, bacterial, micro um, bacterial or um, parasitic beings start to change the way that they show up because of human interaction and become things like um, Shelmet, 
or they become things like Hon Edge. So actually, it, maybe are we saying that Embor is an Embor because of um, bit domestication? It becomes more like a human being. Oh, so it's it's doing it like uh, I monkey see, monkey do. Exactly. I've I see my trainer walking on two legs, and I you know start mimicking. Yeah. There's there's precedent for that in the real world, right? <laughs> 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 Pigs standing up onto two legs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, look, I, I, I think I see the, the, the sort of, you know, domestication and friendship with the trainer. You know, we, we do this right. We have, you know, humans have rather despicably also domesticated animals to, to fight. Right, mm. and to to become to become bigger and, and meaner and, and badder versions of of themselves. Um, yeah, I'm thinking in particular certain breeds of dog and things like this. Right, so um, there is a direct parallel in in, in that sense. So um, not not quite as lighthearted as the, the Pokemon world, but <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so can we agree yeah. then? It's a build. Yeah, it's a build. We can work on it. It's a build. Yeah, yeah. We ain't we ain't been in that. All right, moving on. Um, Kia, what you got next? Well, the obvious one is stones, right? So let's let's go for the most obvious one here. It's can before you go, go on, on, can we combine the two? Because reacting to a stone, I feel, is the same thing as holding an item. Right. Okay. So there are two different these these are two different types of evolution in the Pokemon universe, right? So some yeah. Pokemon, for example, is it a Poliwhirl into a Politoad has to be holding an item called a King's Rock when it's traded or something like that. I think that's right, but if you use a water stone, it evolves into a polarath. That's it. So that's actually a really good example, right? So it changes, it will become one of two different evolutions, which I think is an, a topic of its own right. But what we're talking about is whether it's got an item, it's like wearing something. I guess it's wearing or holding a king's rock around a necklace or something, or having a direct reaction to a water stone. So um, it, 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 this shows up in the anime loads, because of course, Pikachu the kind of flagship Pokemon um, evolves into a Raichu when it is has contact with a Thunderstone. And there's loads of other Pokemon that evolve in this way, but then there's also the other way, which is like holding an item. So let's combine them. Um, and Roman, tell us, is there any precedent in nature as we know it in our universe of animals or micro um bacteria or anything changing as a result of like contact with another physical item yeah absolutely yeah so um so i want to split this one into into two again i I agree that we're talking about very similar things but Mm. i've I've got another division to that so so the the first thing i want to bring into this one is and it's again it's aquatic i've just realized lots of my examples here are coming from the from the sea world it's a bizarre world i guess that's yeah fine. for sure um, i think it's fine but, like it's so unexplored there's plenty to go, there's plenty to go on yeah absolutely so so here we go right so so you guys will know that um lots of organisms that live in the intertidal zone and attach themselves to rocks right yeah, yeah. they they will um, sort of almost just spew out um, their, their gametes and those gametes will fuse in the open ocean and produce little t- tiny little juvenile versions of, you know, let's, let's say a clam or something like that, right? Mm. And those, those, ti- those tiny little kind of clam juveniles will float around in the open ocean until they encounter some rock, right? And then the question is, 
Is it the right kind of rock? Has it got the right kind of microbial community present? Is it, you know, has it got, is it the right temperature, the right amount of light, and all these different things? And am, am I in the right place to then begin the process of transformation, right? Yeah. So attach and transform into my adult self. So the, the and this, the, and so particularly, you know, the stones and lots of the items that, are st- that, that, that spur um, e- evolutionary events in Pokemon are stones as well, right? And so that yeah. kind of reminded me of, of that. It could be coming from, from there. It's really interesting. And so, and that sounded to me, like if I can explain it in layman's, it's like, some of that is about creating the right like conditions for it to evolve so it's no longer in the water it's getting i don't know direct sunlight it's like getting nutrients maybe from the stone and and i guess that's the other the other element of it which is that it's there are other micro bacteria present for it to either feed on or react with or kind of build from is that roughly right yeah exactly yeah yeah right yeah. okay it's 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 who's around and am I in the right kind of environment to begin my transformation, right? And typically that's to do with the, the stone itself, what's on the stone. And right. So I'm going to go straight away with um, bank because I love that bank. idea. It's fantastic. Awesome. I'm going bank. Now, I also, I mean, the way I put this in my head, in my world that we've created is that surely in, I mean, in our current world, we've got things that are... Uh, and I'm going, I'm moving out of the ocean. I'm going into um, sort of man-made, you know, our current society. Mm. Now, we are notorious for things like, you know, nuclear power, waste, that sort of stuff. Surely we've got in our Pokemon universe items that, our, uh, that you know, are radioactive, are, you know, something or other that will force a change in a natural living organism to become something else. Like it will mutate, which is another part of evolution. It's just a predetermined, like it, these types of animals in my head, when, when come into contact with like, say uranium, like, Mm. but not uranium, it's, you know, a thunderstone. They are, they've got, they have a predetermined reaction to said item and they evolve into a Raichu, you know? Brilliant. But that also, I, th- I think that it, by explaining it that way, we've also got a, you know, groundwork for forms because Raichu also has a Lolan Raichu. He's a completely uh-huh. different Pokemon. He's, he's electric. He's psychic. He surfs on his fucking tail. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, <laughs> We know that Pikachu evolves this way when coming to come into interaction with a certain type of, you know, a stone that gives a, a certain uh, radioactive, you know, signature. Yep. And if it does it in a different place, it becomes something else. You know, I think it's definitely a bank because it's something that we can as as horrible as it is like radioactivity does exist and does change the molecules of the things around it totally it's like the three-eyed fish in uh simpsons right yeah, and that is the groundwork <laughs> for everything inside my head all right we're banking that nice I was just going to say, there's, there's probably one more, in terms of just holding an item, you know, there are a bunch of, we, we don't need to get into too much detail here, but there are a bunch of animals out there that can use items in, in their environment like 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 a tool, right? So I'm thinking mm. of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that video of, um, that famous video of a... Um, um, of an octopus where it grabs a coconut shell, sticks it on its back and runs around like a crab. Um, what? There's, there's that and there's... 
Yeah, they they do, they do weird 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 stuff. Um, uh, those guys, and and also there's the new the new Caledonian crow, which can sort of pick up, um, you know, little bits of um, wood or even sort of like uh, man-made like bendy materials and fashion hooks out of that and and sort of use use that to wow. obtain food and things like that. So 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 there are organisms out there where, where you know you can literally give them an item and, and they'll they'll use it in some way. So kind of a parallel there too. I love that because that also helps us build out even more about what we were talking in episode two around like the timber girder, um, whatever the concrete concorder one is. Um, they, they change what they're holding, right? So timber is holding a piece of wood and maybe at a certain point it finds a steel piece of girder. It's heavier. It's- it starts to work out. He gets stronger. He finds some concrete. He becomes some horrible mess of a Pokemon. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Exactly. Also, <laughs> adding on to this, maybe a far-fetched is actually a ducklet that's found oh. a leak. So, ducklet Pokemon five hundred and eighty yeah. is literally a duck. Just a duck. Far-fetched is also literally a duck holding a leak. So, maybe this ducklet was stumbling around in some rubbish, found a leak, started changing colour because oh my gosh, this is a smelly onion. I can't, I can't <laughs> contain it. I've got to become a different Pokemon. Bank it. Let's move on. All right. What do you want to get into <laughs> next then, Gavin? What's what's another one that you'd like to d- dive into? Because actually, I think weather's kind of covered in what we just talked about a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's get... Uh, well, I was going to go in, in a certain location, but I think we've sort of covered that as well. So moving like on, a, I guess... That's a bank as well then, I guess. So I think the last one that we really, really need to discuss before we move on to uh, listener questions is um, trading. Yes, agree. So literally handing a Pokemon to someone else, triggering a reaction. Now, the easiest example of this is, I'm sorry, in the Kanto decks, they're the ones that are stuck in my brain. We've got, if you trade a Haunter to someone else, it becomes a Gengar. If you trade a uh, Machoke with someone else, it becomes a Machamp. If you trade a uh, Kadabra with someone else, it becomes an Alakazam. Now, those Pokemon sort of look like each other. Mm -hmm. I would probably try and explain it with... You know, they've they've been given to someone else and, uh, you know, they're just they've it, oh, they only start the aging, mutating evolution process under the guidance of someone else. So is that about getting like kind of I suppose it's like getting if you speak to the same people all of the time, your worldview and the way that you develop will always be one way. Right. It's like the echo yeah. chamber effect. But actually, maybe mm. by getting diversity of thoughts and diversity of um like upbringing you would change as a person maybe not physically or maybe physically um so is is that what you're getting at there yeah i guess so it's not perfect and i i don't love it i think it's probably going to be a build but i'm quite excited to hear what roman has to say about literally literally handing my dog to you and seeing (laughs) what happens second head (laughs) yeah go on go for it explain it so well this yeah this i think this is the toughest one of all but i mean you know all all the notes i had made here guys were literally all about domestication which which we discussed you know but you can imagine sort of 
um, you know, dogs or horses that are typically given to trainers that do specific things with them. And then there's probably also um, kind of more interesting ones like um, uh, the eagles um, that are used for hunting. Um, or uh, I know that I think is it um, in Japan where they where they go fishing with cormorants they tie a, um, a sort of rope around the cormorant's neck so it can't swallow the fish mm. um, but but it's still quite happy to to go around fishing for them and obviously all of those behaviors right are are learned behaviors mm. so someone out there is training these these things to to do this stuff so um yeah, I mean, you know, it's, again, I, I think we're, for this one, I think we're into the weeds on relationships between us, the humans, and, and, and the animal world, which, which yeah. you know, typically we'd be talking about domestication. But. Okay, um, I would like to try and throw something at you to uh, see if it, like, dislodges everything. Yeah, nice. He's um, doing too well, I think. I think, Roman, is, you're, you're doing yeah. too well. Yeah. Let's throw some stuff at him. <laughs> I want to see if there's any, like, real-world precedent for this, and I'm not sure if you've you you'll come up with something but right pokemon of a 588 carablast when traded with pokemon 616 shelmet evolves into pokemon 589 escavalier great name um who it's basically a carablast that's wearing the helmet that shelmet lived in Mm. and like you know got some you know got some armor got some weapons and then shelmet at the same time will evolve into pokemon number six, 617 acelgor who becomes some badass looking mummy kind of guy who doesn't really look like a bug anymore but like he's freed from his armor oh. is there any real world precedent for two different animals coming into contact with each other and like growing and uh becoming better versions of themselves because of it yeah that's interesting so those those in particular so in in the in the in the general sense yes but i want to focus on this specific example so this these guys look a lot to me like like a sort of um hermit crab style Mm. creature where yeah you know what i mean where they're sort of like little naked creatures and then they're almost kind of swapping armor, or one of them's giving one of them a shell. So Shelma is obviously relinquishing the shell to Carablast. And then Axelgor is a sort of angrier um, version of Shelma without the shell. Almost, he's like a know? freed spirit. Um, he's like, he's got, he's got no boundaries. He's like a goldfish who will grow to the size of its container. Right? <laughs> so he's put, put a Shelmet in a lake and it becomes an Acelgor. I think we've done it. We've absolutely uh, done it. It's a bang. I think, I think he's got a chip. He looks mad. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder about having lost the shell. He's like, um, oh gosh, and, and I've lost my helmet, but I'm going to grow and get angry as He looks a part ashamed of, it. of his body, doesn't he? Yeah. He's so disappointed he lost his helmet. <laughs> he's, got, he's got his arms crossed. <laughs> so good. He's like, no, where's my shell gone? I've lost my helmet, guys. <laughs> right, I think we've done a a fairly decent job of explaining away evolution conditions. I would like to now very quickly throw a few Pokemon of note at you, and this is specifically at Roman, but Kia, feel free to chime in. First one, Inke evolves when you hold the 3DS upside down into Malamar. <laughs> 
So, Pokemon number 686 Inke, when turned upside down, will evolve. Real world precedent, go, five seconds. Um, wow, that, that is a tricky Well, it one. does actually, the thing is, the Malamar does look like an upside down Inke, right? If you actually flip Absolutely. it around, the, yeah. um, the kind of tentacles that are its legs on a, of an Inke become the head of the Malamar, right? So, yeah, and maybe yeah. they're just a bit Absolutely. gravity. It's just really angry. Yeah. It's really angry that it's been turned upside down. It's, it's like, oh gosh, off. I'm gonna. It's it's an Aselgore, but an Inke. Right, done. Moving on. Tick. Mel. <laughs> right. <laughs> very very recent Pokemon introduced in Pokemon Go, like completely unheard of. A Pokemon introduced in a game that isn't a mainline game. Pokemon eight hundred and eight. Meltan. Meltan mm. evolves into Melmetal by what I can only assume a fuck ton of Meltan fuse into one another. Now, Meltan is literally a piece of solder with a bronze nut as a head. Yeah. And Melmetal is a very big version of that. So, real world precedent, solder fusing together and becoming a big guy. Wow. This is one of the ones where you just think, what is going on with this example? You know, I mean, there yeah. are a couple like this where they're not, re- I mean, they're almost robots, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I, this, this conjures much more sort of the image of, of a robot and, you know, maybe a self-replicating robot or something. But what Again, about like, futuristic. Yeah. but what about in nature? And Roman, you're going to have to help me out here. I've just got like a start of a thought here. Are there not examples of where loads of animals work together as like a as a hive to be able to do greater things? I think like ant colonies. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That, that, so that's a really good point. So, so there are, you know, um, that there are more, you know, in in the general sense, there there are some great examples of yeah these colonial organisms or eusocial organisms where you know again you know you might consider the organismal unit at some point becomes the colony. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and so this this could be a case like that, but you know where does the metal come into that? I mean, <laughs> you know, Megazord and Power Rangers. Next question. Right. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got two more, and I kind of want to get through them uh, as quick as I can. I'm going to leave my favourite for last. Um, but Pokemon 223 Remoraid. When gained enough experience, gained a big enough level, and I think it's level 30, no, 25, sorry, evolves into Octillery. Mm. Remoraid mm. is a fish. Octillery is an octopus. Go. Over to you, Roman. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did have one. Yeah. So, okay. So, so there are things kind of like this, right? Now, bear with me. Um, now, staying, staying in the subaquatic world, um, there is a, a barnacle, right? Okay. Which, paras- which parasitizes a crab. Ooh. The barnacle attaches to the underside of the crab and forms a structure that is that looks and feels like what would be the egg sac of the crab, right? Mm. So okay. this crab, yeah. So this crab now thinks it has an egg sac on its underside that it's is its own, and you know exhibits behaviors that it would use to disperse the eggs from its egg sacs. Instead, it's just dispersing the eggs of this barnacle. So the barnacle... So, you know, I mean, this is mimicry, right? This is kind of mimicry and parasitism together, and there are lots mm. of cases of, of mimicry. But, you know, if you can put that um, uh, down to mimicry, then, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think there's precedent. Okay, um, so what you're saying is, no, a fish can't evolve into an octopus. Don't be silly. Moving on. Right. <laughs> Pokemon... <laughs> Pokemon number 290. This Right, so this is 
uh, out of all Pokemon ever. Oh yeah, that's one. I I I have to s- stress that this is my favorite evolutionary uh, uh, like example of Agreed. Pokemon ever. And Roman, mm. I hope you find this really interesting. Pokemon number two hundred and ninety. His name is Ninkeda. He is based off the Japanese Cicada. I hope I'm saying that right. I bloody live here. Ninkeda <laughs> evolves into a Ninjask. Basically, uh, Ninkeda is like a the larval form. Goes through the, the stage of metamorphosis uh, and evolves into a Ninjask, who's a really, really speedy bug, like a, a Cicada. However, that's not the interesting part. So that's a fairly normal thing. So yeah. a bug goes through metamorphosis and becomes a different kind of totally. bug. The interesting part is Pokemon number 292, Shedinja. If the trainer has an empty party slot, so uh, one of their six Pokemon is is, a, is actually not taken up, so they're carrying five or four or three. They've got an empty party slot and a spare Pokeball, so they've gone to the Pokemon and they've got 20 not used Pokeballs. A Shedinja will appear in that spare slot. So for the price of one Pokemon, they've gained two. The chrysalis that Ninkeda literally sat in and became Ninjask becomes a sentient Pokemon, a sentient being. Roman, is there any real world example of discarded chrysalis? chrysalis? Discarded chrysalis becoming an animate object. <laughs> um, not quite, but there is something kind of in that neighbourhood, right? So, uh, so I'll try it out. Oh, on you. You can see what you think. He's got something, hasn't he? He's got something. <laughs> We've got something up my sleeve. <laughs> um, so the, the the thing the thing that this reminds me of, and okay, it's it's adjacent. It's it's not the same as this, but um, there are these fungi that infect insects. And maybe you've seen this before. I think it's featured on on one of the Attenborough series where um, the fungus infects the insects, say it's an ant or a beetle, and basically sort of takes over its faculties, right, and drives it. Um, so in the, ca- in, in the case of the, the example I'm thinking of, they um, will drive the, um, the insect sort of up, up a tree towards bright light and, and what have you, and essentially take control of its movement um, and use that to uh, eventually disperse, blow out of its head and, and disperse its spores. Um, so, it, you know, this Shedinger is, is sort of like a hollowed out husk, em- empty, not in control of itself anymore kind of thing. So I think there's something, something there. Roman, you've done it. Wonderful. That's it. That's it. That's it. Because we explained sentient swords in the same way however precedent in the pokemon universe pokemon number 46 paris he's been infected by some mushrooms right yeah he gets Uh. so infected as he grows he becomes a different pokemon that the mushroom has literally taken over paris is no longer there parasect is the new Pokemon, but he is entirely a mushroom. And his Pokedex entry is mm. a host parasite pair in which the parasite mushroom has taken over the host bug. The bug host is drained of energy, but the mushroom by the mushroom on its back, they appear to do all the thinking. Beautiful. Isn't that so Beautiful. interesting? And then You've it, done it, it. It then, it then um, the mushroom spreads its spores, right? To create more mushrooms so they can take over more bugs. Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Genius. Perfect. It's almost like 
someone at Nintendo, someone at Net, uh, Game Freak has thought of this before us. Isn't it? Now, listeners, yeah. next time you think about Pokemon, you go, oh, that's <laughs> silly. Just remember Roman, right? This guy can make the silly, the impossible seem utterly possible. And I'm, we have now, so leveling up, banked, friendship. We've built on it is domestication. Holding items, weather, stone, bank. Location, bank. Trading, it's a build. We're looking at the, the Japanese cormorant. Um, we're, we're looking at um, p- personalities and divergent thoughts. Multiple organisms, also banked. Even the upside down 3DS, we can do it. bank. Pokemon can yeah, exist, guys. Upside down 3DS. How do we manage it? It can exist. It can exist. Anyway, <laughs> that's all of my Pokemon from No. I'm not going to throw it. I've got loads of others, but I'm not going to throw them your way. I think we've I think we've done enough. I am I buzzing. think we should move on. Yeah, wonderful. I think we should move on to the uh, question of the day. Yeah, why don't you... Um, you got the question for us today, Gavin, from one of our listeners. For those of you that are listening, remember you can get your questions into questions at fairlyfarfetched.com. You can get us on Twitter at fairlyfarfetched and at Instagram at fairlyfarfetched without the E. Uh, Gavin, what question have we got today? So this question comes from a good friend of ours. And now I need to stress that not all of the questions have come from good friends of ours. No, like that's we've got so many questions, we've, guys. We've had some, but this one's very interesting. And I picked this because it's kind of relevant for Roman being on the episode. He's going to have a good idea for mm. it. This question comes from our, our friend Christopher, um, who you can find, who's a musician. You can find him on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Phoenix. Tau, uh, which is F-E-N-I-X-T-A-O. Um, and he says, Weeping Bell and Victory Bell. Pokemon's number 70 and Pokemon's number 71. How the heck do these Pokemon move around? <laughs> it's depicted as floating and levitating in most media representation. Now, he means in the, the anime, the manga, the video games, their, their sprites are just floating. Yeah. They are free-floating in the world. They are based on a real-world example of a plant called the pitcher plant. But pitcher plants are very much stationary in our world. How the heck do they move around? Kia. Well, now, Gavin. So, first of all, I reckon (laughs) there are going to be loads of other plants that can move, right? I mean, look at a Venus flytrap, which the Victory Bell is based upon. It's based on a pitcher plant. Very similar. It's like a cup. With some nectar in the bottom, and when a fly flies in to get the nectar, close the lid. Exactly. Not a Venus flytrap. But also doesn't move. But it does open and close, and it is like a predator to bug prey, right? Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. And let's face it, plants do change the direction in which they grow. They grow towards according light. to the sun. Yeah. So it's not that far fetched. Um, Roman, add some science to my ramblings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> help me, I'm drowning. Uh, 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 it, it would be it would be a pleasure, Kia. So, so 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 plants. You know, we, we there are lots and lots of plants that don't have roots, right? That's the first thing to say, or that Ooh. don't have roots that extend into the earth, right? And so, therefore, are free to move around and settle any anywhere they like. Interesting. Um, I mean, there, there are these things called epiphytes, right? Which which have roots that essentially take moisture out of the air. Okay, so they can, you know, at that point, you don't have, need to have roots in the ground. So that's one thing to say. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, there's quite a lot of plants that move around passively. So think about in um in in texas the tumbleweed 
right? Mm. Um, yeah. Is, is a sort of circular ball that moves around. Okay, not under its own steam. It moves around in the wind, but it has a specialized, a sort of specialized form that helps it move around in the wind. Um, and <clears throat> so, so there you go. So moving plants are, are, real, are a real thing. Um, the other thing is that things that are really small can float in the air um, because the smaller you get, the thicker a medium the air is or conversely if you go into water you know think of you know you can also go into a thicker medium like water right and then there you've got like all the water lilies that float around and and everything like this so um floating moving plants is is real yeah for sure that's that's amazing so because what my head was doing was they've got leaves they can probably flap them and fly sure simple yeah nice so so i totally agree so chris there's your answer not only are there plants that don't need to take fruit there are also plants that move there's precedent for that and there's lots of precedent for um beings being able to actually basically float through the uh through the air so there's precedent yeah wonderful now before we go i've got one more thing and now this isn't something we need to discuss it's just something i want to leave our listeners roman and uh you yourself kia with um and it's a pokedex entry of note Mm. this comes from pokemon number 59 you know him you love him his name's arcanine oh beautiful also in japanese called windy what Anyway, <laughs> I have one, two, three, four Pokedex Get entries. Get Gaviscon. A legendary Pokemon in China. Many Pokemon are charmed by his grace and beauty while running. This legendary Chinese Pokemon is considered magnificent. Many of many are, people are enchanted by its grand mane. A Pokemon that is described in Chinese legends. <laughs> it is said to race at unbelievable speed. Moving on, one more. This legendary Chinese Pokemon is considered magnificent. Many people are enchanted by its grand mane. Literally, Pokemon exist in our world already. Arcanine's a Chinese Pokemon. Lives in China. What the fuck are we doing in our podcast? This is not... There's nothing... Like, it's already done. Right? Oh, my goodness. Pokemon exist, and they are just myths and legends. We have been duped for all these years. It says it right there in the ruddy Pokedex. The 59th out of 812 Pokemon. Gavin, good catch. Um, that, that feels like a really good place to end up today. Um, Gavin, I hope you'll join me in giving a, a round of applause to Roman. Yep. He's been fantastic. Wonderful. Roman. What an effort. Thank you. Every curveball we threw at you, you managed to knock out of the park how you feeling roman oh feeling great oh thank you so much guys that was a that was a load of fun really nice to hang out with you we appreciate having you you on will will you please come back for another episode soon absolutely wonderful we had to say yes um great (laughs) listeners (laughs) thank you so much for tuning in today we've been fairly far-fetched myself kia gavin and roman and we will see you next time on episode four of fairly far-fetched say goodbye gav goodbye and goodbye roman Bye, guys. And it's goodbye from me. Ciao.